Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll-Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Cara. Hi, Vanessa. We got a really interesting question from a listener asking us to talk about bedwetting. And when I say bedwetting, I don't mean bedwetting like a child who's being potty trained, but bedwetting that happens amongst elementary and adolescent kids. And some listeners would be surprised to know that is actually incredibly common amongst kids. Karen, you're going to talk in more detail about that. But what this parent said is that it affects so many different corners of a kid's life when they are dealing with the issue of bedwetting. Social, camp, sleepovers, self-esteem, all sorts of things. And it can be a source of tension between the adults caring for them and the kids themselves. So this parent said to us that no one talks about it. And she is mystified and asked if we would please talk about it. And the minute I said to you, Cara, can we do an episode on bedwetting? You said, a hundred percent. It is such a common and important topic. So can you give us some background on kind of like how common it is and what your experience is with it? You know, what's so interesting about what we talk about on this podcast is that For most of the topics that we talk about, there's this mythology that no one talks about it. 
But really, there's a lot of buzz about it. So periods and changes in the body and body image and all these things that often start with nobody talks about, but then we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about how a lot of people talk about it. Sometimes they talk about it wrong or wrongly, I guess I should say. <laughs> Sometimes that was ironic. Sometimes they talk about it, you know, through the lens of their own memory bank, but they do talk about a lot of this stuff. Bedwetting is something people almost never talk about. They talk about it with their pediatrician, but there is so much shame that it is really a no-go topic. And so I was so excited to hear a question about this because it needs to be addressed. It's not uncommon. Now, you might ask me what the data is, and I'm embarrassed to say I did not look it up and I don't have the answer, but we'll circle back on social. We'll post some statistics about bedwetting. But I want to define it for a second because you did a very nice job at the top and I want to get a little more granular. And then I want to talk about what could be causing it. When is it behavioral? And when do you have to worry about other things? So let's start maybe with a definition. Does that sound like a good idea? Yes, I think that's important. Okay, so bedwetting is what it sounds like. It is when someone, anyone of any age, urinates in their bed. That's it. And the most common age at which kids are potty trained so that they don't wet the bed at night is somewhere around age three to four, give or take. I know two-year-olds who are potty trained through the night. They don't sleep in overnight diapers. I know four-year-olds who are nowhere near being potty trained, but there's like this general, by age three or four, there's this assumption that most kids are using a potty at their preschool during the day. They're able to pee in it. Some of them are not able to poop actually in a potty for a long time. Those two types of potty training tend to travel in different timelines, which is interesting. And then getting through the night, it certainly follows getting through the day. Let's put it that way, right? So most people assume by the time you're out of preschool, you're potty trained, therefore you're not bedwetting. Sound right to you, Vanessa? Yeah, I mean, I think that there was always the shame, even when our kids were potty trained, if they weren't trained by a certain age. But my mother, God bless her, very quickly dispelled any pressure we should feel about that. And many parents lie. They just lie about it. (laughs) They lie that their kids are doing it. Then they're in a circle of friends who none of their kids are doing. They lie that their kids aren't doing it because they don't want to seem perfect. Like there's a lot of lying that happens around potty training. It's fascinating, which sets us up for the shame, by the way. Yes. Go. Yes. So there's and my kids were most definitely not precocious potty trainees. One of my kids pooped on the potty for a year before he would pee in the potty. And I was like, okay, I see how this is all going to go. This this is is my my reverse order kid. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So yes, I mean, there's a lot of posturing, even like, are you giving your kid rewards or not? And like, is that okay or not okay? So we're already laying the groundwork for some sort of quiet, silent, shame and embarrassment around it. Right. And that's what sets the stage for why when kids are five, six, seven, 10, 12, 14, and they wet the bed at night, 
no one talks about it. Okay. So now I just want to quickly get off the table the medical issues that you want to think about that can cause bedwetting, which in its medical terminology is called enuresis, nighttime peeing in your bed. Okay. It's E-N-U-R-E-S-I-S. I know you're giving me a face like spell that word. I know. I always want you to spell the words for me. Thank you. Enuresis. I feel now. So the biggest medical concern, the thing that we are always thinking about when we hear about bedwetting in the world of pediatrics is diabetes. And I just put this out here to start because if a parent has a new nighttime bedwetter, a kid who has never had problems with this before, and then suddenly is starting to wet the bed, the thing you want to do is reach out to your healthcare provider and have them checked for diabetes. And it's a very, very easy test. In fact, you can pick up a home kit and test yourself because all you do is a kid pees in a cup and then there's a little dipstick that you dip into the urine and then the dipstick will change color if there is sugar in the urine. And in diabetes, the body has lots of sugar floating around the outside of the cells, but the door to let the sugar into the cells is not working. That door is closed. And it can be closed for a lot of reasons, but generally speaking, insulin, the hormone insulin is the key that opens that door. And so when insulin is not working or when you don't have enough, the door stays shut, which means all the extra sugar in the body is just floating around outside the cells. And the kidneys do a very good job of taking all the extra stuff that's floating around in the blood and dumping it into the urine, okay? So to do the bowels, that's what that's the whole point of peeing and pooping is getting rid of the excess stuff. So if you've got a ton of sugar floating around in your bloodstream and it's not getting into your cells, the kidneys are gonna dump it out in the urine. And that is why you can test for diabetes with a urine dipstick. And I don't, want to bring this up to create anxiety. Quite the opposite. I want to bring this up because number one, parents should know and adults who are caring for kids should know that this is a possibility. And the earlier you pick it up, the better. Number two, that you can take it off your list. If you check for diabetes and they've got no sugar in their urine, you go, okay, well, that one's off my list. So that's one medical thing. The other most common medical reason, so diabetes is the most worrying medical reason, the most common medical reason for wetting the bed and frankly, for leakage during the day as well, is constipation. Huh. I know, right? Very interesting. So you want to know, Vanessa's face says, tell me about that. (laughs) I'm like mind blown. Okay, constipation, tell us more. I wish I could show all of our listeners my little human anatomy model. But so the intestine, the small intestine wraps around and around and around and around and around inside your abdomen. And then it connects with the large intestine, which is the end of the intestine. And the large intestine goes up on the right, across the middle, down on the left, and then comes out through the rectum and anus. And that's, you know, the poop machine right there. If you are constipated and you cannot get the poop out, the poop collects in the large intestine in reverse order. It collects on the left side first, 
and it backs up and backs up and backs up. And eventually it backs up through what's called the transverse colon, the crossing part. And then if you've got a lot of poop in there, it can even back up all the way down the right side. Okay, that's pretty unusual. But the large intestine, because it's large, it has the ability to expand and expand as it's backing up with poop. And the longer the stool sits in the intestine, the more the intestine resorbs the water from the poop that's sitting in there. Because the job of the intestine is to kind of pull out the water and get that back in circulation and then get the waste out. So constipated stools and people, this might be an aha moment for someone, are dry because they've been sitting in the intestine, in the large intestine for a long time, and a lot of the water has been pulled out. They're also large and bulky because they're just sitting in this very accommodating large intestine. Well, on the left side, towards the bottom, towards the rectum, right? That's the first place backup. You can get so big and so expanded that it actually pushes the urethra where the urine is going to come down from the bladder and out of the body. It can actually push up against the urethra and make it hard to pee. It can also even push up a little bit against the bladder and make the bladder feel either irritated or like it's functionally smaller because something's pushing up against it, right? So just having a physical obstruction sitting in your colon in the form of constipated stool can actually cause you to have issues with your urine. And one issue is that the bladder just can't do what it's really good at doing, which is holding pee until you're ready to go and then letting it go. So you can have leakage. And another is it can block the flow of urine enough that the urine backs up, sits in the bladder and ends up getting infected. And that's called a urinary tract infection. And urinary tract infections, as anyone who has ever had one might know, they both hurt and can cause leakage, you can have a little bit of leaky urine. So you can see how all these things are connected. And that's why constipated kids will sometimes have leakage of urine, either in their underpants during the day or bedwetting at night. That is very fascinating. I did not, I did not know that. I mean, I remember my kids used to be in a rush to go to the bathroom and so they wouldn't fully empty their bladders or or they were playing video games and they like waited too long and then they like peed all over. It's like, it's like you're teeing me up for (laughs) the most common behavioral reason for bedwetting. Okay. Okay? So we've just gone through the medical things that you want to check in about. And by the way, no pediatrician will ever fault you for calling or coming in to get advice about bedwetting. So please, if you have questions about this or you're confused or something is sort of setting off a red flag and you're going, oh, I should call. Okay. Call, talk to them. But you've just hit on, Vanessa, what I would consider the number one behavioral reason for bedwetting. And it is exactly what you've described, which is life is far too interesting to take a break and go pee. (laughs) Okay. That's it. Um, Reason number two is the bathroom is too gross, right? (laughs) Because they've pissed everywhere. Yes. Right. So for those two reasons, kids don't want to go to the bathroom. So what happens when kids, can you, I want you to imagine in your mind, what happens to the bladder when kids are so busy playing, hanging out, video games, friends, class, they want to go out, they raise their hand to go to the bathroom. The teacher says, no, like there are a million scenarios, right? You've got this bladder that's full of urine and 
every day, all day long, you're holding it more and more and more. What do you think happens to that bladder? Um, besides a potential UTA, can the bladder swell? Well, the way I would describe it is just like the large intestine is very accommodating and can grow. So too, the bladder is very accommodating. It can, I mean, I love this, this might, word. <laughs> this, this might be TMI, but has anyone ever had an experience like in the scene from the naked gun where he's going to the bathroom, he's peeing and it's just like, and endless, it just won't endless, stop. It won't stop. Right. That is evidence that the bladder can accommodate a lot of urine. I mean, it, that was an excellent scene. Doctors love that scene. And then it's like, you think he's done and then he like keeps it's going. It's so funny. And he keeps going because the bladder can accommodate a lot of urine. But think about the bladder. It's a muscle. It's a round muscle. I'm I'm going to show you, Vanessa, with my hands. I can't yeah. show the listeners with my hands, but it's sort of a round, nice, tight ball of a muscle that fills with urine. And then actually when you pee, you don't constrict your bladder, you actually relax the muscles, which is so interesting, right? And it's really, Vanessa's like, this is the most interesting 15 minutes of my life. <laughs> like, I mean, for the amount that my family spends talking about peeing and pooping, I can't believe I didn't know more about this sooner. If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air, particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes. Which is why we created the Oom Short. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. Designed for all genders in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. Get your shorts at myoomla.com. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, magnesium breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Vanessa, 
We literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors Ready to Eat Meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. Okay, so the bladder relaxes in order to let the urine out. Yeah. Right, and there's a little constricting in the muscle, but mostly it's a relaxation of the pelvic floor and right, and then your urethra can let the, the urine flow out. Just to be super clear, there is some muscle contraction when you pee right? So there are muscles in the bladder that contract and tighten in order to push the urine out. But the relaxation happens at the bottom of the bladder, what's called the sphincter, which is where it's a muscle that it's, it's just, it's like an anus, but in the bladder, it's the muscle that holds the urine in and sort of plugs it into the bladder that has to relax in order for pee to move from the big round bladder down through the tube called the urethra and out the body. So that's the relaxation that we're talking about. Okay, now let's say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're in school from 8 a.m. until 3 p.m. and there's no way you're using the school bathrooms. So you have to hold your urine for all those hours 
every single day, five days a week. And then you get home and first thing you do is you pee, right? And then you immediately start homework and then chatting with friends. And then you have a sports practice and then you have this and you have that and you're so busy and then your things are distracting you. And suddenly it's now like six or seven at night and you're like, oh, I got to pee again. Okay. That kid has gone to the bathroom twice since 8 a.m. And so the bladder being so accommodating just keeps getting bigger and bigger and stretching out almost like you know, a balloon, when you blow a balloon up for the very first time, it starts as this really nice, tight, you know, if it's got a color, it's like a deep color, then you blow it up and it's like big and accommodating, filled with air and the color gets a little lighter. And then you let the air out. It never looks like it looked in the very beginning. It looks sort of loose and floppy. Maybe the color is slightly different. It's like That's- my it's like my breasts after breastfeeding <laughs> four children. <laughs> So that is your bladder after going to a school where you don't want to pee. Okay. It just, it becomes a slightly bigger, looser and floppier version of itself. And it actually cannot do the job it is supposed to do in order to both hold urine effectively and more importantly, to get urine out. And so when you said I always felt like there was leftover urine that my kids had to pee more. You were correct. A floppy bladder that doesn't have nice muscular tone is a bladder that can have leftover pee in there. And that is urine that still needs to come out. And sometimes kids feel that sensation of it needing to come out, but other times they just don't. And then maybe a half an hour, an hour later, they have to go to the bathroom again and they try and they only have a little or they couldn't be bothered. And so this is all a long way of saying that if you have a child in your life who is not going to the bathroom regularly, and I don't mean actually walking into the bathroom regularly, I mean peeing regularly two totally different things. If you don't have a kid who's peeing regularly and you have a kid who has aneurysis and is bedwetting, then that is actually a really nice combination because the aneurysis becomes much more solvable. And the solve, and if you start Googling this, I don't suggest that you do, but the solve involves any number of behavioral interventions. But here's my favorite. You want my favorite? Always. Okay. There are all these nighttime alarms and blah, blah, blah. And you can do this whole thing and you wake the kid up every hour and that really feels like not a great solution. My solution, and it works about, I'd say 85, 90% of the time, is to explain all of this to the kid. And if you can't, let your doctor do it. And then you go on what we call a voiding schedule. And a voiding schedule is a plan to go pee a certain number of times during the daylight hours so that the bladder can slowly and gradually shrink down to its nice, toned, round, former self. Yeah, I was going to ask you, the bladder can sort of regroup. Okay. Totally. And that is the goal. And so if you explain all this to a kid, then you can come up with a schedule that will work for them. Because if your schedule involves going to the school bathroom twice a day and that kid is never going to the school bathroom, then you need to figure that one out, right? You can't set up a schedule that's unrealistic. Well, and it probably involves having a conversation with the school about their rules around bathroom use and 
being it really can and all of that. And there could be things going on in the bathroom that the child is avoiding. That's yeah. another reason why kids sometimes don't want to go to the bathroom at school. But the, my avoiding schedule for kids is wake up and pee immediately. Have your breakfast, do your thing, get ready for school. Last thing you do before you walk out the door is pee again. That's pee number two. Okay. One, at least one during the day at school. And that may require some problem solving, some talking to a teacher about finding a more private bathroom or however you can figure that out. If you can get one in during the school day, it's a game changer. And then, so that would be number three. The minute they walk in the door after school is number four. Before dinner is number five. After dinner is number six. And before bed is number seven. You've just gotten seven different attempts at getting pee out of the body. And it, they can't always pee every time when you start this. Seven attempts during daylight hours or you know waking hours because by nighttime it's dark. That should very quickly reduce the frequency of bedwetting at night. And then the psychological layer, which is huge, is the more nights in a row you have with no wet bed, the more confident kids are that they can do it. And then it becomes this really incredible virtuous cycle. Doesn't always work, but it's a really great first step. I have found when my kids are actually chilling out on the weekends that they forget to go to the bathroom because they're having such a nice time on the Xbox or the iPad. Totally. And like I mentioned earlier, they would then run to the bathroom and essentially piss all over the back of the toilet. <laughs> and so I made them set alarms while they were chilling out on the weekends and playing video games so that we didn't run into that issue. Yeah. Mostly because it was so disgusting and I never wanted to use their bathroom because they were pee everywhere. But also because I wanted to teach them that you have to make time to go to the bathroom. Car, are there other scenarios that we haven't talked about that are worth people kind of being aware of? So, you know, beyond diabetes, constipation, urinary tract infection, anytime that your child or a child you know is having bedwetting, there is a psychological layer to it. Sometimes it is entirely a psychological layer. Sometimes bedwetting is a symptom of being bullied or of low self-esteem or of some struggle with friends, with a romantic interest, with academics. And this is the physical manifestation. And so don't ignore the psychological layer here. Check in with the kid, see how they're doing, ask them how they feel. This is a really embarrassing symptom. It's embarrassing because it limits their ability to go to sleepovers. It limits their ability to go to summer camp. It becomes a real social hurdle. So I just want to make sure that everyone knows that even if you're dealing with the physical manifestations, there is a psychological layer in every case that must, must, must be addressed. And like so much else we talk about on the podcast, as Dr. Becky said the other day, imagine that it's you and your kids sitting on the same side of the table and that the problem, whatever the problem is, in this case, it's bedwetting, is on the other side of the table. But you are a team together. You will work it out together. 
making it clear to your child that you love them, you will support them and help them and that you're not angry at them or disappointed in them, right? We all know there are times when our kids are incapable of doing something we want or need them to do and we get very, very frustrated. This is a chance to practice the do-over and going back and repairing with our kids if we lose it with them when they are struggling with this issue because the more pressure they feel from us, the more disappointment they feel from us, the harder it will be for them to get past this. Thank you for the question. I loved it. It's really, I learned so much and I love, I hope people send us more questions about these kinds of topics that feel hard or shameful or not talked about because in our book, there's nothing shameful and there's no judgment about any of this. And I love the nerding out to the medical stuff. So thank you. (laughs) Bye, Vanessa. Bye, Cara. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts. Or check out our Instagram, at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.